0: Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly. I'm Philippa B and I'm joined this week by Jeremy Smith. Hi Jez. Hi. And Connor Ketley. Hi Connor.
1: Hi Phil.
0: And Rich may be dialing in at some point. We'll, we'll wait to see if, if that happens. So what we're going to be looking at this week, it's a bit of a pre-preview uh, because obviously next week we'll be looking at uh, France at the World Cup in more detail. But we have had um, two friendlies now to see if uh, Deschamps is working out his starting 11, which will be interesting. So we'll be looking at what we can um, glean from that, pointing up possibly some um, lesser known France-based players who play for other countries uh, who might be interesting uh, in Russia and looking at um, some of the other things that have happened recently in the Coupe de France Feminine and uh, the Toulon tournament. So if we start with uh, Friday night, France versus Italy, and France won three one, which was, I think, uh, a very, uh, a very reassuring performance. But um, what would we, uh, how would we evaluate that match, Connor? How did you did you think the the scoreline was fair? Was it a good performance by France? How did things pan out?
1: Yeah, I thought it was uh, probably a fair result in the end. Uh, I mean, the one goal that was conceded by France was an unfortunate uh, mistake by Lloris, which I'm sure we'll touch on. Um, but I think the squad, the first team itself, was uh, maybe the closest we've seen to what will actually be reflected in the uh, opening game of the of the World Cup. Probably Ramy will drop out for Varane. We may hope, um, but that's obviously yet to be seen. But I thought, on the whole, um, France looks you know, relatively comfortable, even though. Italy did get a lot of shots away, but I suppose when you have Mario Balotelli back in up front, he's always going to uh, be peppering shots away during the whole game. So, yeah, probably a fair result, a two-goal victory.
0: Hmm. Uh, Jez, would you agree with that? Were there any kind of nervousness um, that you felt after this game?
2: Uh, yeah, no, there's definitely still some nervousness. Um, it was, yeah, comfortably comfortable victory, but it was a pretty poor Italy team as well. Um, I think that it was probably what you'd sort of expect from France. They were right now just good going forward, not good going back. Um, Loris seemed short of confidence, and Titi was another not a great match. Um, the positive defensively was was that the fullbacks were excellent. I thought, mm-hmm. considering neither of them are. Uh, probably going to be the starting fullbacks so think mm. that's really positive
0: and that um, that's what's been worrying us quite a lot hasn't it the that yeah. those positions so that was uh reassuring
2: yeah but i mean elsewhere you know like loris and pogba you have to say sort of in theory should be forming the spine of that defense and naturally for the last couple of years and tt has probably been the, the better center back um and faran has always got injury niggles so there's there's bits of things to worry about there. I'm hoping the fact that Matiti has got his contract situation with Barca sorted out may mean he'll, he'll now really concentrate on the football. And then in terms of the attack, I mean, I think it probably didn't exactly do Deschamps any favours. I mean, I just, I feel like after the match, everyone's making this big fuss again about um, using the, you know, it would be so much better to to have this front three rather than Giroud. And mm. I totally understand, I certainly understand from a neutral point of view, that argument. Um, I know Dugari was was pushing it the other day and quite a few others are as well. I think maybe the, the, the best thing to, for Deschamps would possibly be to, to adapt the, the team according to the opposition. Mm. Um, despite, you know, everyone having a go at him for not having um, uh, a set, kind of style of play in mind I don't, I don't think that's an issue my, my concern with that match was Dembele has been frankly pretty poor for France whenever he's played for them and there were two flashes of brilliance against Italy the, the run where he hit the bar and the run where he scored and frankly apart from that I thought he was pretty poor um, lost the ball a lot did nothing to help defend um, and that is basically that sort of sums up Deschamps-Quandry within the France squad, do you go for a bit more reliability, a bit more defensive support, which Giroud is going to give both in terms of pressing and also, mm. for example, set pieces um, but there's a little bit less of the explosiveness, which frankly I think is even out by the fact that he's got a brilliant scoring record or do you go with Mbappe Griezmann and Dembele and tolerate a hell of a lot of wastage and a hell of a lot more sort of heart-attacky moments in terms of defending because at some point they may or may not come up with some flash of brilliance I think there's a, a neutral I'd definitely go with the latter but as yeah. a France fan I'm not so <laughs> sure.
0: sure yeah I think I mean Dembele the, the the bit where he kind of rinsed three defenders and then crashed one off, uh, off the off the bars like that was those are the kind of moments that make you, you sit up in your seat but I understand that yes having Olive yeah, lumbering around and I mean that in the sweetest possible way is more consistent but I think you can uh, you can allow to have at least one wild card in there um, as you say it's going to matter who do you who who you play uh, who you play who against as it were and starting against Australia then having Peru then having Denmark is going to be a kind of an interesting progression to see whether that um that can can respond. But what I thought was interesting in kind of the, the pattern terms, obviously we saw four through threes in both of the both of the matches. Obviously a different kind of four through three with uh, Giroud starting the first one Griezmann kind of centre in the second but the the players that started both were Umtiti Rami as you say because Ferran wasn't back yet Mbappe, understandable, but uh, Quentin Tolisso starting both matches, who possibly being kind of, with all of the pogba Cante talk, um, Tolisso quietly doing a, a very good job there, went just wide um, against Italy on, on Friday. Um, you know, he's also really kind of played himself into contention there. Do you think that he stands a chance of of getting a starting berth, Connor?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I, I, yeah, I so wrote the article for French Football Weekly, of course, where I've more or less discounted him to be honest, talking <laughs> about Kante being paired with Matuidi, uh, Pogba and even Rabiot, and then Rabiot, of course, finds himself out of the squad, and Tolisso, as you yep. mentioned, has really played his way in, and um, I must feel a bit embarrassed for not mentioning him at all. So, he, <laughs> uh, such is how he's kind of played the other day, as you mentioned, had that chance, hit the post, um, and has just. I suppose, proved why Bayern Munich paid all that money for him. So um it would definitely be interesting to see him. I guess having him in there, it looks like it would be three in the middle. As you mentioned, that's what they've gone for in the last two games. Um Of course, we haven't really seen him play in a two. And uh, as of course, I think we know, Kante will be the one who's also the mainstay in, the, in that midfield. So it'd be interesting to see, I guess, who Deschamps ends up going with. And mm. after all that, I, I guess... Paid, to paid well paid into pogba and then uh, had a bit of a question of performance as, uh, as Jez touched on so i guess central midfield is a bit of a bit of a question mark over who's going to be starting in the in the first game there
0: mm. so and we've got one more friendly to come which is uh, against the usa now i figured of the friendlies it was like kind of with all due respect to the opposing teams but ease into it gently with ireland um have to deal with what is usually a solid defensive unit in Italy, and then a kind of a bit of a free hit just to try things out against the USA and and kind of see what happens. Do we think Deschamps is going to use this final friendly to try a different combination, maybe give Tovan a start? There's been much bitching about that, obviously. Um, Or... Uh, to try something different or to try to solidify what he's already thinking about as a, as a starting 11. Jez, what do you think they're going to use uh, the final friendly for?
2: Um, I'd expect it to be as close as possible to the, to what the way he's going to start the, the world cup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he might still um, not risk Varane if his injuries, niggles are bad enough. Um, I don't think that I'm not. I'm sure Mendy won't get a full 90 minutes, but I think he'll start. Um, I think he'll really start thinking about um, the way he's going to line up against against Australia in this one.
0: Mm. Now, in a sense, the Australia match is maybe it's the perfect match to start with because they are the lowest ranked team in the group, and France should have enough to beat them comfortably. so that would mean if you start, you're starting 11 there, you get them all into the rhythm before hitting the more difficult teams in the next matches. But are there, you know, you know, we don't maybe know, enough, know a lot about um, Australia, uh, perhaps, or indeed Peru or Denmark, and, and how they're going to set up. But do you see him, as you said, what we think he possibly should do reacting to the opposition he's facing or do you think it's going to be this is my starting 11 we're going to play them at least throughout the group stage how do you see him play in that jez
2: um i I really hope he does do sort of horses for courses Mm. um and i think he has got the capability to I and mean, I said it before I think people are distracted by just hating on Deschamps without reasonable evidence to do so you know half the people everyone hearts back to Euro 2016 and half the people say well he's um you know he had to keep changing the formation and the other half have a go at him for being too tactically rigid <laughs> yeah. where it can't be both um so I, I think he, he is capable of doing that um the only question is, like, for example, against probably a, a strong, rugged team like Australia, do you go like for like and maybe put Giroud up against mm-hmm. against a couple of strong centre backs, or do you try to go for for the sort of nippy players um, who, you know, similarly to to Italy, that they'll sort of if they sit back and give um, give the attack lots of space, then that would make sense to have the the faster players who can exploit that 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 space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I, yeah, I'm hoping he's sort of. I don't know if pragmatic is the right word, but sort of adaptable according to who they're playing against. Hmm. But I am—I don't think it's going to be straightforward. I think all three teams, yeah. are, it's not the hardest group, but I don't think there's any gimmies either. I mean, no. Australia... For example, the last international break, we lost to Colombia, Australia, Jerusalem. So, mm. you know, if we were yeah. playing conquer Rules... Uh, they, they,
0: they, they, they recently beat the Czech Republic 4-0, it says here on my notes. Um, yeah. And I was per- slightly surprised... Peru have surprised barely, lost, Peru Peru in barely lost any match in the for ranking. a couple of
2: years. Yeah. <laughs> they've got really good recent form. They've got mm-hmm. fantastic support. So I'm, I'm actually... Very nervous about Peru.
0: I had Um, not realised they were that high up the rankings because I assumed Denmark were higher, but Denmark are 19th. Denmark haven't got as great recent form in the friendlies. They beat Panama, Drew with Chile and Sweden. Both of those were goalless, which might tell us something. They're playing Mexico on Friday. Peru are playing Sweden on Friday. Sweden getting about a bit in this group. Um, So... When we look at Denmark, obviously we've got a couple of France-based players in the Denmark side, Martin Braithwaite and Lucas Leragé. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, Both Bordeaux players, uh, both unlikely to start. It seems obviously their key man might be Christian Eriksen. Peru have got their captain and and talisman Paolo Guerrero back after his cocaine ban was um, kind of overturned. Kind of confusing situation. And Australia obviously have got um, Tim Cahill still uh, on 100 caps at 38 <laughs> and a half years old um, and Matthew this, Ryan Matthew, oh, the yes. Aaron Moy <laughs> one of the <laughs> Huddersfield Town contingent in Group C uh, they have three players because they've got Jonas Lossall, the Danish goalkeeper and Zanker um, as well the midfielder so with three players uh, in groups the Huddersfield Town are level with PSG Marseille Veracruz Chelsea and Feyenoord which I think is is kind of kind of neat um as you can tell from that swirl of numbers I've just thrown out I have been playing with statistics and spreadsheets so I'll put a link to the uh, World Cup squads uh, break uh, breakdown dashboard in um, in the article that that puts uh, that that goes with the podcast. So with that kind of slightly sideways aspect of things, we were looking at how many France-based players uh, are at the World Cup, and it looks like it's forty-nine. Although with Camel Glick apparently injuring his shoulder, doing what, Jez earlier?
2: He was he tried an overhead kick playing uh, football tennis. <laughs>
0: OK, superb. So Poland could be without one of their key defenders because, because he, was, he was playing football, tennis. Uh, I was
2: tweeted by someone who watched all their qualifiers and said it's not such a bad thing.
0: Shouldn't laugh, but it does. It's a bit like, who was the guy that broke a foot by dropping a bottle of ash after shave? Anyway, Canis- um, yeah, so 49 or possibly 48 players for 18 or possibly 17 different countries um uh will be at the world cup um and so obviously a lot of the talk is about neymar he scored the goal in brazil's um friendly win against i can't remember who it was um
2: croatia um, on
0: Friday, croatia as well um neymar mbappe lencel so there's loads of kind of high ranking names playing in france who'll be at the world cup but we wanted to maybe pick out a couple of the guys you might not have heard of as much. So Connor, is there anybody that you you would like to kind of flag up as an interesting an interesting France based player to, to keep an eye on during the tournament.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think we we actually spoke about uh before we went on air about how Tunisia have uh, you know a very high mm. number of uh of players coming from League Um really. So I think it's seven in total. Uh so a number to highlight there, but most notably Naim Sleety up front who's yeah. uh particularly towards the end of the season, he went very quiet around the middle of the season, but four goals in the last five, I think it was. Mm. Um obviously helping uh Dijon up the up the rankings there as well. And um of course, being an England's group, I'm sure a few listeners would be paying attention to that as well. Um, and and then also, also just, just, well. Just, yes. sorry,
0: j- just on him, because obviously Mzakny's out, injured, and he was kind of the talismanic number 10 for Tunisia. What was interesting to me was towards the end of the season, Slity, who normally had played kind of left wing, moved more central. And whether that means he's going to pick up that bat on and run with it, I think that would be really, really interesting to see because he he's got a lot of punch off the bench, but he's also got um, a lot of um, a lot of creativity that, if he's moved to a more central role, could
1: be could be very interesting. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. sorry, you go no, go you ahead. <laughs> actually, uh, you were leading on absolutely with a punch off the bench, as I was just about to mention, um, and from Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I think um, a couple of his goals have come as substitute appearances. He's only given like 10 minutes every every match, basically, but still manages to get a few goals. Obviously, still not a mainstay in the Nice team, but it would, nice to see, it would be nice to see him, uh, I suppose, progress a bit more and get some more game time. Uh, under his belt, and um, but I imagine he'll probably play the same role for Tunisia in the sense that they do have their preferred starting eleven, and he may just be required as uh, a late substitute if they can keep it tight against Belgium, England, and uh, of course Panama in their group. Mm. I mean,
0: just staying on uh, Tunisia as well, we've got Saif Eddin Cowie, who's at Trois but on loan from Marseille. It'd be interesting to see if he gets any minutes. He's a little bit more mercurial, but the one that you think might make more of a, a kind of consistent uh, impact is elish Giri, the kind of holding mid from Montpellier, who is, even though he's still only, I think, 22, is such a measured player. He doesn't he kind of looks a bit kind of lanky and awkward, but he's got great vision, great placement. And um, Montpellier's defence obviously was, you know, kind of second best defence in League 1 this season. He was actually a big part of that sitting in front of that defence and helping to mop up. Which uh, with also Isama Haddadi from another Dijon player left back, he is given how kind of uh, forward-thinking Dijon were a lot of the time, daddy was actually quite conservative um, and, and defensive. And I think given the group that Tunisia are in, they're going to have to get a good balance of, you know, keeping it strong at the back while having their, their creative players um, taking their chances up front. So I think he's also going to be very interesting as well. Um, Jez. Any uh, key players you want to, to point out who are France-based but maybe lesser known in uh, in the greater scheme of things?
2: Um, the the two that I'm sort of looking forward to seeing and, and interested to know how much game time they'll get is actually two um, two Monaco midfielders. So there's Yuri Tillemans, who mm-hmm. really hasn't had the best of seasons for Monaco, and I'm not sure he's getting particularly close to the, the first 11 for Belgium at the moment, but I'm hoping that, that he might get a chance to break through and show what we know that he can do, but he hasn't showed it much this year. And the other one who'll be possibly having an eye on on having a good World Cup in order to maybe convince Monaco to, to keep him this season is Benacer um, at Morocco, who's been on loan for the last couple of years. Um, did very well at Nancy but couldn't help keep them up a couple of years back and um I think had a couple of injury niggles but but played well this year for for Caen as well so i'm hoping that that he has a good world Cup and and sort of hopefully cements his place in you know that there's going to be places up for grabs in the Monaco team next year, so he'll be he'll be looking at that and then obviously from a sort of x mess point of view i'm hoping that um is my desire, despite the fact that Ren nicked him <laughs> off us. Um, I'm hoping that, that he can be at his best, and you know, if if he's at his best, then it will certainly provide a lot of excitement.
0: Yeah, I think um, Ren have got I think four players um, in there, so uh, maybe we'll hear from Rich next week on how that will go.
2: It's remembered for.
0: Okay, so some other things obviously have been happening. This week, we've got the Toulon tournament is on at the moment. Unfortunately, France will not make it through to the final four, the final day, the semi finals, because they lost after. Beating South Korea 4-1 in their first match, they lost 1-0 to Scotland, a goal from Oliver Burke. That name again keeps popping up. So despite beating uh, Togo 2-0 in their last game with goals from Ludovic Blas and Socio's Brian Lamb, uh, they finished second in Group B on six points, which was not enough to get them into the final four because England had already got seven points in second place behind Mexico in Group A. and Turkey were the winners in Group C, uh, beating Portugal to finish uh, on six points as well. So no France on the final day, which is disappointing as this is my traditional June, early June mini break. Uh, but I will be keeping an eye on on that uh interestingly the semi-finals put scotland v england so we don't get the chance to see kind of the uh the classic um on the final day but um it will be interesting to see obviously england won the last two editions whether they can get three in a row either mexico or turkey will be extremely um determined to stop them um, as well as that, we've got uh, the women's equivalent of the Toulon tournament is uh, having its first edition this year, and France are currently 3 0 up against Haiti at half time. So that's, uh, that's nice. The, the teams in that uh, are, in fact, France, Haiti, the USA, and Germany. And you might say one of these teams is not like the others. Um, but the other thing that happened recently was the Coupe de France Femina final between OL and PSG. I was confidently predicting last week that this was going to be a win for OL. In fact, PSG won 1-0, preventing OL from getting the treble treble. It was a goal from Marie-Antoinette Kokoto um, after 16 minutes uh, that did that. And then everything went a bit weather um, there was an absolutely astonishing storm. Uh, The TV coverage cut out and I was shown footage of um, really, really terrible comedy sketches. We then got footage briefly of the referee taking everybody off, giving the lesser seen signal, seriously, ladies, we're all going to be hit by lightning. Let's leave. And I think an hour later, Uh, They restarted the game basically on a puddle, and then there was more uh, contentious issues. Jeremy, do you want to uh, mention what happened late on?
2: Yeah, I mean, there was a bit before that as well, because I think the match was stopped at uh, 58 minutes and 30 seconds. Yes. With PSG (laughs) 1-0 up. Apparently, if the match is stopped after 60 minutes... Then the result prevails. If it's no, under I, th- 60 I think minutes, it's they
0: they replay the f- the remaining time. Whereas if it's before sixty minutes, you replay from the beginning. Okay. So this is why so. a couple of, a couple of years back, this is why um, the Saint Etienne players were basically clearing snow off the pitch at half time because they were 3-0 up and wanted to make sure the game continued uh, to maintain their their lead so yeah it was a little bit awkward possibly (laughs) on that front but when they did restart
2: PSG obviously wanted it to restart Lyon obviously didn't Mm. and then I think Lyon were arguing that um, after 45 minutes that's it it shouldn't be restarted and as you said this was an hour later so it was all wrong and then they did restart not the easiest conditions to play in, but then in injury time, Lyon thought they'd scored a perfectly good equaliser, but the referee gave a free kick for a foul on the, goal, on the PSG goalkeeper, which would have been fine because she was completely cleared out in midair, except that she was completely cleared out in midair by her own teammate. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of sort of uh, schadenfreude Olaas not being very happy, which would have been fine, except that it came from PSG fans and it's not like... They ever have a hard time with referees, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was all a bit, you know, it was a, it was a great winning goal and, and I sent off uh, for for Laura less less so mm-hmm. for Corinne Petti and, and Cam, Camille Abeli, but um, I mean, Abeli didn't get all off. A bit, no, 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 I, mean, I, know, her, I her, mean, you know. So
0: so her final appearance was actually scoring the fourth goal in a Champions League final, and I'm kind of hoping she'll take that. I'm sure she (laughs) will
2: but it was just the whole thing wasn't particularly becoming and actually when Mm -hmm. you saw the sort of trophy ceremony with absolutely no one there in turgid conditions it was just not very Mm. cup final like.
0: Awkward I mean I do think I think um, the some of the substitutions made on the OL side screamed a bit of christ how is this happening to us um but i think the the fact that grusian did not start uh, and was brought on with kind of 10 minutes to go is kind of please ex- please ignore that bell um i think she might have been a bit helpful earlier on in, in keeping tabs on Kokotik, but that happened so no treble treble For OL, they just get uh, the league and the Champions League this year. Uh, So OL and PSG are the Champions League teams for next season. Um, So that will be interesting to follow their progress again. And um, in other news, just have to mention this, Montpellier has the double of the under-19 league. Uh, Both the men and the women under-19 champions are Montpellier. So that's marvelous um so yeah,
2: I think Wren um, won the under seventeen League.
0: yeah, and there's i mean there's a lot of other ones, but obviously, I paid attention to those particular ones um so uh, just. As we kind of wind down, is there any other business we mentioned? Kind of the Rabiot situation briefly and passing earlier. That was a weird one, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't really see him playing for France again whilst Deschamps is there. But obviously, we don't know how long that will be, depending on the on how the summer goes. But yeah, I, I wouldn't see the two of those uh, those two linking up anytime soon.
0: Mm, um. And obviously, the uh, Zidane uh, residing from Madrid um, is possibly unintentionally put a little bit of pressure on Dijon because, uh, particularly, uh, Team Benzema also seemed to be particularly happy about that situation. Um, I, we did some he takes some stick, as you say, some of it. Jeremy, some of it is, is kind of not very consistent, criticising him for one thing or the other, neither of which can be true at the same time. Um, does Zidane resigning put more pressure on? What, do you think that would have any impact on or, or, or where this might go after th- the World Cup?
2: I think it only puts more pressure on if Deschamps intends to stay. And I really, I know that he's got the contract for 2020, but I would be quite surprised if he did stay. I think if, if it goes badly, I think he's a good guy. I think he'll fall on his sword. I think if it goes very well, then obviously he'd like to quit while he's ahead. Um, he'll do a
0: Zidane, as it were. Go, I've just yeah, did I you was this. Gonna
2: say a, I was going to say a Jacquet, but yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if whatever happens, he's going to leave anyway. Though it, it puts pressure if he intends to stay, and it also puts pressure because the, however much criticism deshon gets, as, as Rich, I think, has said quite a few times in the podcast, who else is there? Hmm. There isn't anyone else obvious. So I think there was probably... a an element of restraint from journalists because it's all very well saying Deschamps out but in order to be replaced by who mm. now there's a very obvious person to be replaced by well, there's Z- arguably Z- Z- there's
0: two de- very obvious persons with Wenger as well
2: I, I don't see that one at all
0: no, I just, I neither do it I, but yeah, I, I it's, an, it's an obvious management. person in inverted commas, shall we say. So
2: It is, but then there hasn't been any clamour. No one's been walking around going, does that put more pressure on Deschamps since mm. Wenger quits? So no, I think no, that sort enough. of indicates the difference between the two. Um, Zinan said that he doesn't want to go straight into another job, but I think that's maybe to try to help out Deschamps or mm. try to just be able to have a few weeks rest. But... um. <laughs> Uh, Imagine, I, you know, that man's blood saying, pressure. Yeah. People are saying, "Where would Zidane go out? Uh, apart from the France job? I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. I think it? it's probably only mm. two managerial jobs he'd ever consider. He's done one; he'll do the other, and then he'll sort of sail off into the Qatari paid sunset." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. So, possibly on that beautiful image, uh, we will stop for for this week. We're going to have obviously um, more of a hopefully detailed, organized, prediction-heavy uh, pod next week, or possibly just we'll just wing it. Who knows? Um, so if you have any questions about uh, about France's chances or uh, the French bench or any other things that rhyme, uh, do send them in via Twitter or as a comment under the article. Uh, but for now, um, I've been Philippa B. Thank you very much to Jeremy Smith. Thank you, Jess. Thank you. And Thank you. Connor Ketley. Thank you, Connor. Thank you and very much, And we will speak to you again next week.